okay, everybody's got a fucking podcast. I mean, we have a podcast, so obviously anyone can do it. Wait, this is a podcast? Are you recording right now? Technical difficulties. No, you don't have to say anything. I'm going to edit it out. Technical difficulties. <laughs> okay. I put mayonnaise on a pickle. It was not uh, the best, but it might have been the worst. Do I see? I mean, my feet stink, right? Yeah. Django! Django! Uh, yeah. So, did you did you get to the six, 1966, Django? I did. Okay. What'd you, so, we'll start with that. What did you think of the 1966 version? You know, I kind of, like, mildly like westerns in general. Like, kind of that old school era of it. Um, the spaghetti western with, like, the voiceovers. I was able to kind of get through, you know, the kind of the voiceover over the mouths not matching up kind of thing. Um, you know, that wasn't really much of a problem for me. Um, but I, I just, I wasn't super interested in it to be completely honest. It had some really interesting like parts of it, but the whole storyline, I didn't really end up caring too much for. Um, it didn't do too much for me, but there were definitely just like segments out of it that I really enjoyed. Um, like, so so, like specifically, I really liked the, uh, I, I think that was kind of talked about in that documentary me and you watched the other day. Um, of uh, Django like coming in carrying that coffin is just like the the imagery of it is kind of like the most badass thing you know just random loner walking in dragging a coffin yeah it's just cool yeah, it, it makes you the most dark mysterious whatever type of dude uh, that you can be um, and then uh, you know just the uh, the sequence we get later on where it's the I, I think they call them like the regulators you know it's the dudes with the black or the red bandanas over their heads mm-hmm. and we get the um, like minigun you know kind of scene where it's just yeah. mowing them down like that was really interesting to me um, you know we get the kind of wreaking havoc on people and then he gets to show the gun later off uh, to the uh, uh, like the the Mexican army guys. Um, you know, and he just shoots up the, the, the bar for some reason because he thinks that's a smart idea. I mean, yeah, and that bartender's been pretty good to you. I don't yeah. Know why you do that to him. Literally, one of the major ways they're probably making money is by selling alcohol. and He just shot his inventory. Yeah. He, he will later die for you. <laughs> and you just disrespect his bar. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't yeah. love that. Uh, I, I did enjoy it. Um. You know, it, it's got its warts, as any uh, movie from 1960s era yeah. will. If if um, I went back and probably watched, like, a handful of other ones in this era, kind of got used to it, it'd probably sit a little bit better with me. But mm-hmm. I watched uh, Django Unchained first and then went back to this. Oh. So my, my order of operations, I think, just very much. Very flawed. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the parentheses. You got to do it first. You know? I know. I know. It's the whole thing. Math is hard. Math is hard. Uh, yeah, my Django nineteen sixty six notes are very short, so I'll just do a quick blow through of them. On uh, my thoughts as I watched it is just the very long intro. Django's a bad dude. Bad as in like, bad. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Sir, can you leave your coffin outside? Seems very rude, even in Civil War era, to drag your money coffin onto my the floor of my bar. Well, it helps that the entire town is just <laughs> drenched in mud. Yeah. Uh, again, he's a bad dude. Oh, that's what's in the coffin. Very, very, very slowly learning about Django. Mud wrestling prostitutes here. 
Got uh, me going. Even Mr. Blonde wasn't that bad. Cut the ear off and feed it to you. Uh, a little rude to the bartender. I'll show everyone my uh, gun on your inventory. Uh, so it's a glorified cowboy-style heist movie. Uh, oh, this guy's greedy. The classic, I'll give you more later. You don't need your money now. Uh, he said he never should have trusted the American. He's just paying you back, man. You don't want to give him his gold. Quicksand. Classic. We never kill a thief. Otherwise, he couldn't come back and take his revenge on us later. Uh, really did a number on those hands. Seems like Karma got the Hugo gang. Guess Django won't be getting them. Uh, poor bartender. Uh, so that was a pretty sweet way to end the movie, but no way he pulls it off. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just thought. It, it was a movie. It was definitely a feature-length film. It was, <laughs> yeah. It was a feature film from 1966. It was okay. Yeah. Like uh, I said, it, it still had pretty enjoyable parts to it. I think it's just the, the whole experience, uh, you know, in comparison to, you know, what we have to relate to now. It's just it wasn't there. But at the time, it was probably a lot more exciting and yeah. probably more, you know, culturally significant just with what the other Westerns had been doing at the time. All right. That's about all the time I care to give to it. Oh, yeah. Um, there is a way better movie, uh, from 2012 that we can talk about. Uh, and that is Django Unchained. Um, so I'll just blow through the plot real quick by bullet points. Won't Mm -hmm. take long. Um, start with a bang. King buys Django. King shot the sheriff, not the deputy. The marshal owes him $200. Brill brothers die. I can't see fucking shit out of this thing. Getting into Mandingo fighting. Django and Django. Let's go to Candyland. Hey, little troublemaker. Dinner goes wrong. Handshake gone wrong. Candy and King dead. Django gives up. Django escapes the Aussies, goes back and takes his revenge, rescues his wife, and blows up Candyland. That, yeah. That's Django Unchained. That'll work. <laughs> um, uh, for my likes, didn't like. Uh, I thought this movie was perfect, and I have nothing negative to say about it. I liked everything about it. The attention to detail in the era. All the acting was fantastic. The story makes sense to me for the most part. I don't really see uh, any apparent plot holes. Uh, yeah. We got. Yep. So pretty much the, the, the same thing as far as uh, what I liked is the acting was very fantastically done. Um, I like the uh, kind of like unlikely duo, like unlikely partnerships, you know. So you got the, your, your black dude and your white guy, and they're going to partner up. And for some reason... Uh, like King just finds enough value in Django just to do something with him and, you know, kind of take him under his wing. Um, so I kind of like the unlikely duo, just like teaming up and, and going on an adventure kind of thing. You know, it's to uh, King's benefit in the beginning and then Django's benefit uh, towards the end there. Um, but just thought that's a, a really cool dynamic. Um, I like the, the journey and development of Django as far as starting off as just like a, you know, slave who's just wants to get his wife back to, I will do whatever it takes and commit atrocities in order to get her back. Um, so kind of that, uh, a little bit of like fall from grace main character, but he's still like the, you know, the hero at the end, just because, you know, uh, 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 victories written by the survivors, I think is, is a line there. So there's no one else to be like, Oh yeah, Django killed like 860 people, yeah. but it's fine. Cause he got his wife back at the end. Sure. Hope none of that trauma comes up later. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, as far as the complaints, I didn't really have any. This was a fantastic movie. It was almost three hours long, I think like 2.45 or something like that. Yeah. Couldn't have cared less. Sometimes long movies really take it out of me, but this one was at least exciting from, 
you know, kind of plot point to plot point. Yeah. Um, the only uh, kind of thing was the internet told me that it was originally intended to be a two-parter, kind of like Kill Bill. Mm. Um, so a little bit would have been a little bit more expanded of a story. Um, and I would have loved to have seen that expanded story for sure. Um, the internet also lies to me and tells me that like a lot of those cuts do exist. So there is potential energy for, you know, a mega final cut, something to be released at some point, but we would have seen it by now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would have been cool to see kind of a two parter, you know, maybe like two and a half hour a piece, uh, type of thing. Um, that would have been really exciting, I think. And just to get to spend more time with those characters in that world, all of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was trying to find deleted scenes because I figured out the DVD I had didn't really have. I mean, there were a couple special features, um, but I did not see any deleted scenes on there. I was reading about deleted scenes. Uh, I was very sad when I couldn't find any on YouTube. Sure. So that was sad because um, I would have liked to come with more here, but uh, whatever. Um, for my bad trailer... I had a uh, anti-beer ad. Man has beer for first time with Dennis, and then he goes <laughs> on killing spree. What did you have on bad trailer? Uh, my bad trailer was just like uh, like lunatic slave kind of thing. So it's literally just only hard cuts of Django just killing people and just yeah. kind of the terror and chaos it creates. So rather than any positive element, it's just like a, a murder flick. <laughs> I dig that. Um, my Where was your bad summary? Uh, bad summary. So I, I had a couple here. I kind of struggled with these, honestly. Mm-hmm. So one of them was like a, a headline come from like the newspaper of like the people around the uh, uh, the candy farms. Mm-hmm. And it was a uh, gas leak at candy farms caused explosion, killing all residents because they don't know what happened. <laughs> they just knew that it blew up, you know, right. Um, uh, little, little lower key man picks up his wife after a long business trip. <laughs> Yeah. And then last one was uh, Samuel L. Jackson gets promoted. Okay. <laughs> okay. Promoted to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I figured after uh, uh, Calvin dies at the end that, like, maybe things are looking up for him, you know, because he probably knows how to run the, the farm a little bit better than what the sister did. So. Sure. Um, my bad summary, I said dentist dies due to deadly game of Candyland. Mm. Uh, my bad casting. I said uh, Keenan Thompson is Django. <laughs> uh, Michael Sarah is Calvin Candy. Oh, man. And that way we have the same awkward dynamic as he has with his cousin in Arrested Development, oh, except with his sister. Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in this, because... The, the incest was strong here, he, for sure. Yeah, it was gave weird. me those incest vibes hard, and I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what do you got? So, uh, bad casting. I had Lil Wayne as Django, but like no costume <laughs> change, no change in voice or acting. It's just Lil Wayne, but also like modern guns. Right. Like it's just the not fitting in whatsoever. He's like probably in like a, a wife beater, you know? Um, and then uh, Uncle Ruckus from Boondocks uh, would play Steven as I, I Samuel have the Jackson's same comment character. in one of my notes that he's Uncle Ruckus. Sure, so, yeah. so really that's just the good, uh, good casting, but yeah. Yeah, we're going bad casting. Here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as uh, blowing through notes, I don't really want to blow through the notes this time because I got like a lot. Sure. Um, I was thinking we could do the thing we do sometimes where we go back and forth. Sure. And if we decide we want to expand on a note, then we can expand on a note. 
Uh, and if we want to just skip it, we can. We can just say, I had this note. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a stacked movie. I feel like that works out. Okay. Uh, so I just said for my first one, you know, we have that similar start like the original one. Um, you know, walking through the desert, you know, same same first songs going. Yep. You know. Killer soundtrack uh, to this, just oh, just yeah. to mention it. Uh, right around that Civil, Civil War era, um, you know, and then. We see Christoph Waltz again, just in his second straight Tarantino movie, just killing it. Uh, guy's great. Uh, love that Fritz's horse says hello, uh, and they just start with him bang right away. Three deaths in the opening scene. Um, they keep telling him speak English. In other words, don't use big words. We're dumb, and uh, he just keeps talking the same way. And I, I like, I just love his control of the situation. He's completely calm through the whole thing yeah even when the guy is like you're not pointing that gun at me with lethal intention are you yeah oh very well he drops the lantern quick draw i mean just fucks everything up it's fantastic he's he's so control is a good way to put him because that was the thing i made point of several times throughout my notes is that he's he's like orchestrating situations to work in his favor he he always seemed like the guy who knew the most information in the room kind of thing so yeah really really loved kind of how this intro kicked off um yeah yeah, what do you, I mean, that was probably, like, my first three, but it was all within that, like, first scene. So. Yeah. No, same thing. I kind of like the, the opening crawl. We get to see our, our star-studded cast, uh, you know, kind of on the text kind of thing. I kind of forgot that Leonardo DiCaprio was in this in any capacity. Well, I mean, you don't see him for yeah, over for, an hour. <laughs> yeah. So. Ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, like I just, you know, kind of that opening crawl, that opening theme, um, all of that really kind of put me in the, the tone. I feel like it, it set me up pretty pretty well. Um, the shooting of the, uh, horse that happens in kind of that beginning sequence is also just like an extremely visceral thing. And it's just the start of every time a gun goes off, somebody explodes a little bit. Yeah. Uh, which I just absolutely love. Um, but also, uh, $125 for a slave, I think was the, the going rate that, uh, uh, King was talking about with the, the slaver guys. Okay. Uh, which I don't, I don't know anything about economics in that time but it seems like a lot of money well i mean calvin candy you know is obviously a very rich man and he had a huge erection over the over the uh mention of the amount of twelve thousand dollars right which Which i think anyone would sure like you know but that was like the uh, dr evil one million (laughs) dollars exactly but like you know i mean like obviously us peasants you know somebody mentions i might give you twelve thousand dollars for that you know i you know we'd be like oh fuck yeah i I need to make twelve thousand dollars yeah but like i mean well then you're thinking about taxes and but a rich man like calvin candy you know, you would think twelve thousand. That's fucking nothing. Well, sure, in today's money, yeah, that's how he'd think. You know, twelve thousand, eighteen fifty-seven, or whenever but, this yeah, was in that era, eighteen fifty-eight. Eighteen fifty. Calvin Candy's like twelve thousand dollars. I mean, that's like another. That's like another. I don't know, half a million for me. Or, I Trump. don't know. I don't know what the you know. But it's significant. Yeah, certainly more significant than now. Yeah, but and again significant to us yeah <laughs> i just want to make that pretty clear <laughs> you got twelve thousand dollars laying around we'll take it um, but yeah his his dialogue in the beginning of that is so fun because just the way he like carries himself carries the conversation and everything he is orchestrating he's very much in control he knows he's smarter than the people he's dealing with 
and just kind of talks circles around them and then ends up murking them all anyway. So yeah. it's uh it's it's really fun and kind of a nice way to set him up as a character. Um, and then also just the uh you know kind of I don't care for slavery. Uh, you know, gets Django because he knows he's got he knows the people he's trying to hunt down for the bounty. Throws the keys to the rest of the slaves and I'm like, good luck. Yep. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's what I wrote down. I was like, the choice is no choice at all. Um, uh, also, uh, you know anything about King Schultz's wife? Um, so the, the grave of Paula Schultz and, uh, Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. This is like one of the, one of, one of the parts oh. are called the lonely grave of Paula Schultz. Um, so the date on the tombstone is 1823 to 1898, which would make her uh, about 35 in 1858, um, which I don't know that. I mean, granted, older dudes marry younger people, whatever. Um, I don't know that I would say King looks 35. Maybe in 1858, he looks 35. Uh, he looked a little weathered, a little, yeah. a little older, a little more experienced, but you know 1858 standards sure was he a good looking 35 year old maybe i don't know um but i mean i suppose it works out right um so yeah it's kind of the the lore there but moving on from that um i love the first town scene again just the complete control um just everything about them the way i mean visually the way they're showing you the beer pours and he's got the little, little stick knife there. Yeah. Um, there's bad beer continuity though. Did you notice Kristoff's uh, glass gets like almost halfway down at one point, and then and it then refills. The next take, it's like oh. back to like a little. I didn't catch a little that, bit no. gone. Good so, eye. Um, but yeah. Anyway, um, that's what I, I love the whole. You know, uh, make sure you get the sheriff, not the marshal. Uh, now you, you can, can get, get the marshal. Um, everything about Christoph Waltz, I think he's just fucking fantastic. I, I'll watch most things with him in it. I think he's just great. Yeah. Um, love that scene. Yeah. We got. Yeah. I wrote down I shot the sheriff, but I did not shoot the deputy or the marshal because I actually have this piece of paper that says I need to hunt him down, dead or alive. It's like I said in the summary. It's like he shot the sheriff, not the deputy. And the Marshall is two hundred dollars. Yep, <laughs> it's so good. But yeah, just the verbal orchestration of him. I just, I, I could hear him just talk. Probably in general, if he had a podcast, I'd listen to it. Yeah, he's just talking like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just, just so fun to listen to him. Um. <laughs> so and then the plantation, uh, the first plantation they go to. Um, where Django comes out with the fucking drip is <laughs> <laughs> bright blue, like royal blue, weird suit thing. The yeah, I don't, I don't know enough about things, but yeah, he just came out looking. He looked like he should have had a powdered wig on. A little bit, like a, like a very founding fathers ish outfit. <laughs> but it's just um, funny to think of like what he would have thought looked like cool and expensive and regal at the time. Yeah. You know, cause he was like, Oh, you get to pick out your own outfit. It's all a, uh, your character, you know, you got to pick out you your costume. Dress that way? <laughs> so Fuck. good. Man, I just got burned by this. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to be a free man. I got burned by her. Jeez. Yeah. Um, I don't understand big John. 
pages stuck to his shirt. That just screams fucking psycho to me. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I love this brat here. Let's keep it with me. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of took it as, like, maybe that was, like, the patch job, you know? It's like the, you know. So you used a piece of paper? <laughs> well, I was thinking it was, like, pages of the Bible or something, you well, know? Well, for sure. So, that's like, that... you know, it's like, so you, you have, like, you know, the Lord Lord's covering. always yeah. with me. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks very psycho. If you're ever, if you ever find yourself with writing on your body and you're cracking a whip, <laughs> you've gone too far and at some <laughs> some point in your life there was a crossroads yeah and you went the wrong way stop it get help <laughs> get, call someone uh take whatever that writing is off of you uh and put down the whip put down the whip <laughs> the God first step sake, should be put putting down, down the, the whip, whip i think we're we're past this we've evolved as a society if you ever find yourself cracking a whip saying things about the lord um just stop and assess, you know? Let's <laughs> let's relax a little. Just a little bit. Um, so I love that whole thing. Django, you know, kind of gets his wings there, right? He's yeah. like, you know, gets his first couple kills under him. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a pretty sweet scene. Um, my only complaint about that scene is just the, uh, the shot angle, the entry-exit wounds don't really make sense on the Ellis dude, the guy riding the horse across the field there. Yeah. They're looking at him like this, and then he shoots him, and somehow it enters from behind him and exits in front of him, and then it somehow sprays on the cotton to this way. So that was a little goofy, but um, obviously the imagery is fantastic of the white cotton, and it gets the blood splatter. Yeah. It looks really sweet. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so uh, just out of kind of a little bit earlier in that scene, um, so where where Big Daddy uh, is trying to talk to one of the slave girls and is trying to figure out how to address Django in general. Yeah. Because he's like, I can't call him, like, we don't treat him like a slave, but treat him like, oh, shoot, who's that kid we hate? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, treat him like that guy. You want I should treat him like white folk? No. No. Yeah, I, like the hard. I didn't say no, that. No, I didn't. I'm, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I don't uh, know what you want. Yeah, yeah, I see that. <laughs> it's like, what a conundrum that you're just like, how do I keep face in front of these other slaves, but also I have to be kind of nice to this other black guy? What do I do? Treat him like that kid we hate. Yeah. It's you like, know, Jerry. Exactly. Treat him like Jerry. Treat him like Jerry. Yeah. Love that interaction. Um, and then I like the way that, uh, uh, you know, later on, Jago runs up on, on John Brittle, kind of like this, like, weird kind of dorky-ass superhero kind of thing <laughs> with his blue suit, um, but then still, like, puts the work in on him using the whip. I thought that was uh, that was very satisfying. But also, like, I'd imagine using a whip's kind of hard. Like, you know, I've, I've never used a whip, never held one in my hands. I don't know how to yeah. do the whoosh. Right. So, uh, I don't... Thank God. Yeah, thank God. But, like, you know... As and a slave, I'd imagine probably also doesn't have equal opportunity to to use a whip. He sure was handling that thing with like the utmost dexterity. I think he's probably watched it happen enough times. He's like, I got it. Like if you can watch a bunch of fat, uncoordinated white dudes whip your wife, that's then, fair. Uh, then you're like, well, I I know how to do it better. Sure. And if I ever get my hands on a whip and whip one of these guys, I think I know what to do. Yeah. And then uh, I like the exchange between uh, him Plus, and Kit. Black people are better than at everything. Yes. <laughs> Athletically, just, you know, just saying. 
Harder, better, faster, stronger. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like the exchange between uh, Django and King, where it's like, are you sure? Yes. Are you positive? I'm not sure. You're not sure. I don't know what positive means. <laughs> means you're sure. I'm yes, sure. Yes, I'm positive. <laughs> I'm positive. Uh, I loved, loved that exchange. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that whole scene was really fun. Um, afterwards, we kind of cut to where uh, 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 King has, like, that secret storage in the tooth of the the, ca- the wagon, the cart, whatever. Did you notice he was whistling the tune when he was, he was whistling the jungle? I didn't catch that yeah. at all. Yeah. Now it's a good catch. <laughs> um, but I like that that was where, like, the secret storage was. Uh, so that was kind of neat, and then they ended up throwing like the uh, the the dynamite in there. I think. Um, yep. But that was fun. the The interaction of uh, Big Daddy with the I guess yeah I, I called them the KKK dudes in my notes, but that would have been the regulators at the time. That was the precursor to the okay. KKK. Um. So the the regulator guys who were on the hill bitching about the hoods and stuff. Um. I thought was just like the funniest thing. And we sat on that scene and that conversation for so long for it to be, like, so insignificant. Um, and I just love it when they bother to have scenes like that. Um, it just makes things feel a little bit more real. <laughs> you know, dude, Stormer, I was like, well, I, I can't remember what his wife's name was. They're like, well, don't you all come to me or Darla for nothing anymore. Yeah. And then, you know, he rides off. Um, I just love that interaction so much. It was so fun. Uh so the one special features thing I'll probably say because I didn't get like a great ton of information other than like the like the produ- set designer guy uh, he apparently died during shooting oh no um, not you know of an accident but he had like a stroke and well, he said during the shooting so I figured <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah was he on the regulator side or was he going up against Django yeah <laughs> uh, this is uh, J. Michael Riva um, so I guess he had a stroke during all the shooting and that was not the literal shooting. Yes. Yes. Just to clarify. <laughs> um, uh, so that sucks. He died. Um, but there's a couple interviews they captured with him, you know, before like they were done because they were still making, they still had to make the rest of the movie. Um, and then, uh, but so he was talking about for one, the tooth up on top of the, the wagon. Mm. Uh, he said they had to make like 20 of those things because the way it bounces around. He said they just made like 20 of them and then they would just keep breaking because the way they bounce around and whatever. Oh, okay. Um, and it was Quentin's idea for the hole in there to put the money in and all that stuff. So Yeah, it was nice. Um, so there's that. When, uh, like a fuck ton of like interesting special features things and I do not want to bore everybody so I'm not going to... Which I'm kind of surprised. You know, usually we get I think if a I lot of fun got facts, like, but... I hate that like DVDs kind of or Blu-rays, you know, whatever you're buying, kind of throw you off in this way because you figure you're buying the Blu-ray or whatever. You're and like, oh, this is gonna have everything, you know, all this bonus stuff that I want. Um, but it doesn't always. And then you you find out later after you bought something that like you go and you're like, oh, there was like a whole second tier, and if I want like all the all the cool stuff. And, like, sometimes the second tier doesn't come out till later, you know. And so that's just, like, unfortunate because, like, there was a couple things, like I said. But, uh, yeah, there wasn't, like, just this plethora of things like I'm used to going through. Yeah. Um, or maybe I'm just spoiled now that we just got done with the Breaking Bad stuff. And there was just, like, a fuck ton <laughs> hours of bonus of, everything. Yeah. And, like, probably too much of it, honestly. Um, 
but yeah, I love that whole thing. My, I think the best joke out of that whole deal is dude like pulling the eye hole down and doing the dip spit out of it, uh, which is like both gross and hilarious at the same time. Um, the clan attack is an awesome sequence. Um, you know, with the explosion, I'm 90% sure the, like the calm guy in the mask that's, you know, talking everybody through everything is Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. If you really listen, I'm pretty sure that's him under there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just that whole thing about like, now look, <laughs> you know, I say we go no mask and then next time we do the mask, we do it right. We do it right. <laughs> go full regalia or whatever the hell he said. Um, yeah, that no, it's fantastic. Yeah, I love um, just like the 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 petty bullshit of like a period piece kind of thing. It's like it's so insignificant, but it's the same kind of shit we would bitch about now. Oh yeah, you know, it's just I love seeing that, but it's just in that different scenario. Whether it's like a western, old school thing, like a sci fi kind of thing, people always have the capacity to bitch about work and to bitch about just anything they can. So I love to see that actually come out. It's Humans so are always inherently going to find like the shitty part of whatever <laughs> they're doing. Like we have the best gig in the world and then they're going to, you know, they're going to be like, yeah, well, you know, during the blowjob party Wednesday, you know, the, the, the heat was on, you know, how am I supposed to nut with the heat on? <laughs> you can't, you're going to sweat too much. It's the whole thing. You, you know, you'll find something. It like, smells. You know, they brought in free lunch the other day. Fucking pickles on my sandwich. I hate pickles. I don't like pickles. I like pickles, by the way. Just so we know where I stand on pickles. Tell me more Dill guy. Pickles. I'm not a sweet. I'm not a, I'm not a bread and butter pickles guy. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, I don't know why I got hung up on the pickles. Tell me more it about was, the pickles. It was a bad example. I just, I said pickles and then I was like, hold on. People are going to think I don't like pickles. And we can't have that. I, we can't I, have I, that. I like I like dill pickles, man. That's all. That's I guess what I'm trying to say, the reason I have this podcast is <laughs> I like a good dill pickle. <laughs> all right. So oh, uh I love the innocence of Django, you know, after the whole uh clan thing. And uh you know, they're back up in their canyon or wherever they're hanging out. Yeah. You know, eating and everything and you know, he's talking about the story of Broomhilda and, you know, Django just comes over and like, it's he has so, this so innocent, like childlike, just like sit down. He doesn't even say anything. He just he's just like, down. what he's that like, is? <laughs> he's like, you want me to tell you the story? Uh-huh. And he just listens eagerly and like asks questions, you know, following up on everything. It's just, I mean, yeah. I, I think it's great. Yeah. You know, can no, you really it's... like, it's like, it's a, Despite all the the gore and the violence and use of the N-word, <laughs> like, this is, like, a truly, like, heartwarming story of this guy that, like, has this shit. I mean, because it's slavery. It's, like, yeah. the worst thing, you know, ever. <laughs> and, you know, you show this guy, he gets out of it, and he, you know, he's essentially, he's effectively a child in the beginning of this thing. And then um, uh, uh, King you know, just goes through and teaches him how to read, like really takes him under his wing. And it's, it's a really cool story. You know, like the one guy in the whole country, who's not just a fucking terrible racist. So I, I do want to talk on that, just that specifically. Cause one yeah. thing that I was reading up on was that, um, a lot of like, uh, like German, like revolutionists and like kind of extremists, like left Germany to come in kind of during that time period. 
and many of them were very anti-slavery when they came to the U.S. Okay. So, like, it almost does kind of make sense for his character to be kind of in that anti-slavery mindset. Yeah. Um, because that was, like, almost, like, time period-wise with whatever was going on in, you know, Germany at the time, um, you know, that they, they came to the U.S. and, like, held some of those same morals and that they were, like, anti-slavery and stuff, so... Um, I thought that was kind of a cool thing. I didn't look like you know too deep into it to make sure yeah. that's factual, but well, that, um, that was I mean, the thing I saw on on multiple different like posts, which was really interesting. Well, I mean, Quentin's, I mean, notoriously just the strict strict stickler, um, for just being accurate on all the historical shit, unless he is specifically rewriting his. Well, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um. But that I mean that's something you. I mean, he, like for instance, even King's German, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember what he's saying to the slaves. Does he say "you three Maybe for whatever reason, he holds the number three out. Mm-hmm. And we established just a movie ago in *Inglorious Bastards* how uh, you know he says uh, the three glasses rather goes, than you the said the three. three. Yeah, and he goes. So that's a problem. Uh, and that's what gave us blew their cover in the basement in Glorious Bastards. We're not talking about that right yeah. now, but the attention so, to detail, that historical fact, accuracy, yes, it's so the fact nice that the Germans go like this, and even in the fucking slave movie, in you know they're in Texas in the fucking woods, and he's like three, like fucking cool, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like it, it's that attention to detail. That's why these movies are always so fucking good, and why I could pretty much watch all of them endlessly. Yep. Excuse me on a loop. I mean, there's, I, I honestly, all the, all the, all the Tarantino's, I think death proof's the only one that I don't want to, uh, watch on a loop. And, you know, I didn't hate death proof. I think I, I don't know what I rated it in, by the way, I want to talk about, like, I don't want to fucking rate movies by numbers anymore. I know I've gone back and forth. Cause I was like, fuck the fucking number ratings. Um, Let's rate movies by hieroglyphic. We'll just have one appear on screen. <laughs> and and it just won't make any sense. They're like, so what does that even mean? It's hieroglyphics we made up and it's a whole thing. No, I think this was my new thought on that. Just while we're on the topic, because like, you know, fuck any sort of. Apparently I changed up the structure the way we're doing it today. And I'm just like, let's just go all over the place. But what I'm thinking is instead of rating by like, oh, it's an 8 out of 10 or whatever. Because I feel like a rating whore. Because I like a thing. And like this, I would say 10 out of 10. Now, I don't know how other people feel about that. But I feel like I'm the fucking rating clown. You know, when I say things. like, And people rate comedies low. And then I'm like, well, but for its purpose as a comedy. It's yeah, funny. Sure, it's not a movie. But... It's a fucking, it did its job. I fucking laughed the whole time. It's called a comedy. So then when people give it like a one star and you're like, how? It's for laughing. It's not for, it's a genre thing. What? So it kills me. And so this is what I'm thinking for us. All right. I'm thinking we take all the movies we reviewed. And when you're look, you look at the list, like maybe everybody can have. Now, granted, everybody's like you and I at this point. But, sure. You know, we'll see what's going on later. Um, maybe we have all the movies we've rated. And on our personal ratings, we can have... We don't have to do a number of stars, whatever. If you want to do stars, whatever the fuck. But you can say, like, my personal list, how I would rank 
all these movies that we've watched. And so, you know, I would say, like, you know, Pulp Fiction 1 would be, like, top of my list. Sure. And then, you know, so on down the line. And, you know, there's so there's still a good bit of, like, evaluation and thought to it. But it's not the... Because I just feel like everybody's fucking... Oh, five stars or four. Or, well, it's never five stars. No one yeah. ever gives anything a fucking perfect rating. Uh, and I feel like a slut because I would just be like, oh, 10 out of 10 on Django. You know, 10 out of 10 on Pulp Fiction. You know, whatever, right? But, like, that's how I feel about those movies, right? So, um, I don't know. What do you think about that? I uh, I don't mind it at all. It's kind of in reference to, like, what our own opinions are rather than, like, trying to set a standardization across multiple people and then trying to convince these people that it makes sense. I can uh, I can put it in my own frame. Be like, as far as I give a shit, this is where I'm going to put it in what I like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we we do that justification in this conversation here. So. All right. I can live with that. I like that. Yeah. Now, for our in and out members, maybe they'll just give a rating because. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that's too complicated. We but we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get a bond ranking going. So. Sure. All right. Uh, where was I? I so was we were at the, the conversation with Broomhilda oh, Bro- and about the lore, Broomhilda. the story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The wholesomeness of their, their brotherhood. Yeah. Uh, that was about my thing on that. So what do you, yeah, just, I, I, the interaction in general, I loved it. Kind of like you said, the childlike wonder involved with that storytelling, um, is really nice. Um, but then also I think it, it kind of t- almost makes like uh, Django like be more in love with his wife because like the name comes from a place of meaning, and obviously, with being slaves, like meaning isn't exactly inherent to their existence. Um, so I thought that was just kind of a nice, interesting thing is that like her name comes from like a piece of meaningful German lore, um, and that that, that kind of added value to her, and I think maybe that kind of helps us create that value for Broomhilda because obviously that's a character we don't meet for you know, hour and a half, two hours, whatever, um, a long time. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was just a really valuable interaction that that's that story that we get to hear, you know, fairly early on um, and that we can kind of hold on to throughout the story. Um, so I definitely really like that. Um, and then that just kind of leads, I feel like, into that chain of events where it's like creating that real brotherhood between the two of them. Um, obviously, because uh, King doesn't really care about slavery. He doesn't want it. Um, you know, it's not like that barrier really exists in any kind of way. Um, but like Django is also pretty, uh, like yielding to like, I'm just going to hang out with this guy who's nice to me kind of thing. You know, he doesn't have his barrier up to where he's like, I don't know, white boy. Like I still am cautious around you. He lets that drop pretty easily. Yeah. Um, so I just, I really love how easily that like relationship sets up. Um, and they lay such a good foundation for it in the beginning that it just makes so much sense throughout the rest of the storytelling. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Just really, really, really liked what we had up to this point. Yeah. King, King sets, sets himself apart, uh, really early, you know, with that whole thing, you know, he's talking to Django and, you know, those spec brothers who are like, Hey, quit talking to him like that. Like what? <laughs> like I'm talking to him. Like, what? you know, it's like, I feel like the underlying tone there was like, you know, like a person, Yeah, like, you know, where he doesn't really give a fuck, you know, King thinks these are all people. Yeah. You know, and when he's unchaining Django and and uh, he's like, he's like, here, hold this, my boy. You know, to the dude at the back of the line's a fucking rifle. And the guy <laughs> at the back of the line's like, what the fuck? 
He's like, I could like, kill you all. Yeah, like, what? Like, what? You're, you're not, you're not trusting me with it, you know. And he's, and you see the whole time. You, if you watch him in the background, he's just. He has no idea. At, he's he's like, looking it over for a minute. Like, I don't, I don't know. And, you know, <laughs> like King's just paying no attention. He's unlocking Django, talking to him, all this shit, right? Um. So, like, you know, he very early sets himself apart. They walk into that bar in that first town, and he's. Uh, he, he goes, you know, hey, sit down, my boy, you know, and goes and pours him a nice tall glass of beer. You know, Jango's he gets him had. the beer. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. He serves him, you know, and just teaching him the way to be. They walk in. Oh, yeah, take a hat. Oh, you know, oh. hat off the table, even yeah, put it on the chair. Hat off the table. Yeah, I just I love every bit of you know this guy's never been treated like. And again, like I said earlier, it's like a very heartwarming thing. It's like, dude's never been treated like a person. Yeah, and it's like all king does is treat him like a fucking person and it, you know it's really cool it's nice what uh, brotherhood what brotherhood what brotherhood uh so then we go and meet calvin candy doing dingo fighting man dingo fighting mm-hmm. um i've just just prior to that though yeah. uh one of the quotes is like during kind of like the the training for the the gunslinger action and whatnot sure um one of the lines is this corpse is worth seven thousand dollars now quit pussyfooting around because uh, I think this was when they were kind of perched up watching, oh, yes, like, yes. The, the guy and his son, you know, kind of tilling the farm or whatever. And uh, Django's having some of his, uh, you know, hesitancies or whatever. He's like, this is the job. This is it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I thought that was a really funny line. <laughs> it's worth $7,000. Now quit pussyfooting around. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, that was a good scene. Yep. The whole, the winter thing, it's a note I have. Um, oh, shit. It's a note I skipped over, actually. Um because yeah all right so what i said was i'm almost disappointed but obviously not because the rest of the movie is also fantastic but when it comes to the start of like the candy part of the movie because mm-hmm. i feel like i could just watch a whole movie about king and Django just bounty hunting in the winter uh you know Django learning stuff from king the yeah. whole time like I, I and all that does that. all that does is give weight to why this could have been a part tour you know yes. what i mean yeah you could have yeah um absolutely so here we go mean candy and all that and uh man you know so franco nero who was the and i hope i'm saying that name right uh who was the original Django, uh you know in 1966 you know he's got he's the one with the other mandingo who's you know yeah. gets killed and uh he leaves and he's very disappointed but before he leaves he goes up to the bar and he's just tequila and uh, he goes, well, what's your name? And Django's sitting at the bar smoking. He goes, Django. He's like, can you spell it? And he spells it out for me. And the D is silent. And he goes, I know. <laughs> and then he walks out. And I just, I really liked the Django and it's Django. A really nice exchange, yeah. It was pretty cool. Um, it, was, uh, it was almost like the, uh, he did better there what he meant to do in, uh, uh, Inglorious Bastards with the dude who was in the initial Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, because uh, we missed yelling. him entirely. <laughs> yeah, because the, the you know in the special features there's the whole like yelling fire in the theater and that's you know that was his thing because that's what he says in the initial you know, fire. Um, and then I <laughs> I frame by framed that fucking thing. We I'm could. Like, Where is he? I, pa- I rewound it and played again and I'm like, is he gonna say fire? Like I can't I. I think it's out. I think it was out. Um, so, like, yeah, he really, 
nailed it on this one with just Django and Django standing at the bar. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, real, real good. So, um, <laughs> I love I I love Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, just as an actor, he's just phenomenal. Yeah, um, I love that I had this point had kind of forgotten that Leo was supposed to be in this. So then when we have the because I, I'm pretty sure it was like the dramatic kind of turnover, and then we had like the zoom in yeah. kind of thing. It was just this really awesome frame, and I was like, Leo, yeah, <laughs> was so hyped to see him. I just love like the way he can do the whole like I'm very volatile thing. Like he's very good at that getting crazy thing. Like yeah. in uh, in Wolf of Wall Street, like that. He's just he's very just yeah. You know, he's very good at acting like he's on drugs. Maybe he's on drugs. I don't know. Yeah. But um, but it's not often that he plays like the straight up villain type character. Um, I'm, I'm blanking yes. on it. It's the Iron Something, the Iron Mask. Maybe was like the last movie he had played prior to this from like 1998, 1988, something like that. Hmm. So it was like an older movie. It's a pretty and, big range there. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> time is convoluted. And it's relative to plot. Yes. Um, but you know, like it, it had been a while. You know, he doesn't often play like the villainous or the villain type character. Um, so it's, it's cool to see him in that because while he may play characters that are bad people, it's not necessarily the antagonist. Um, so I just thought that alone is kind of fun and exciting and and cool to see him play out this evil character. Yeah. His, his line to the slave when he wins the Mandango fight is, you know, find him. Well, not to him. It's, uh, to the other guy, find him a pony to come lick his pole. That was fun. And then, uh, (laughs) The way he can be volatile where, you know, he's asking Django, it's like, so what what makes you, I'm curious as to what makes you so sure. And then, you know, Django turns around, I'm curious as to what makes you so curious. Um, and then there's the whole, you know, tension moment. Yeah. And he goes, uh, he goes, what? He, he like gets real, like me, you think that there's going to be like a chewing of ass, you know, because mm. he's like, he's like, one. You don't. He turns around real nice. And he goes, "You don't have a drink," and you know gets Kristoff a beer or King a beer. Yeah, it's like it, that quick shadow of villainry. Like I is in there. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like, um, but I must remain composed for my guests. Yeah, just the volatility there is fantastic. I love it. Um, and then I feel like we get uh, more wholesomeness even at this point to uh, King's character because. Uh, it's like the way he says the N-word is uh, like it makes it sound like he is cringing <laughs> as he says it like it's because he's very light on like he almost sounds like like if I were to say the word Budweiser, you know, and he's like Budweiser like it's like those first couple times he had to like get in the groove of saying yeah. it more. Like he has I to think, squeak out basically. Yeah, you know? like I think that was probably very intentional of his character to like just hate. Yeah, you know, saying it and you know degrading uh, people. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, what do you got? Yeah, uh, no. So we kind of covered some of the uh, the points I had of that. And number one, just that the Mandigo fight was just a gruesome thing uh, to to begin with. Um, so just that whole interaction of them like punching each other. It's like they looked like hits were hitting. Yeah. It didn't look quite as uh, fake fighting as you know you sometimes see. So uh, that was just kind of gruesome to watch in general. Um, and then the finishing off with the hammer, um, yes. extremely, extremely gruesome, but like 
to the point where it's like a it's not the first time that guy had to finish a guy off with a hammer kind of thing like it's yeah. just what you do um so it, it hurts to watch it and as much as the way that it's like you know gruesome and entertaining um which it should be i mean it's it's people killing people but um yeah so that was kind of rough um but then i also wanted to touch on is the the uh the gal that like greeted them at the door mm-hmm. um wearing like the maid uniform and everything and guided them upstairs um, I, like, was obsessed with her for some reason. I just thought she was, like, the cutest thing, just the way she mm-hmm. talked, like, her whole outfit and everything. I just, uh, it was adorable to me. I just wanted her to be on screen more and say things. Well, she was 14, so, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Cut! Uh, uh, yeah, that, I mean, it, it was a very, um, it was a very interesting uh, scenery. You know, you're just kind of at this mansion... And uh, there's like a dinner party downstairs yeah. where they're singing about Cleveland and peanut butter or something. Do they say Cleveland? I, I feel like, I don't know. Anyway, singing about peanut butter for sure. Sure. I don't know why Cleveland popped in my head there. Um. Uh, yeah, some very odd. The 1850s were. They were a wild place to be. <laughs> it was a hell of a time. Dinner parties on the first floor, Mandingo fights on the second. Oh, it was just like a huge climb to the top. Yeah. And you're like, well, what is this building? Is it a house or is this uh, uh is this the 1850s version of a uh, like a uh, uh what do you call that? Uh, like an event center. Oh, there you, know? you go. Yeah. I was thinking it'd basically be an apartment complex, but imagine you owned every room. Sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I uh, I am onto the horse ride to Candy Ranch. So if you got any more, Candyland, so if you got any more before that, uh, da, 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 da. oh, uh, I guess just in general, it's just Django is maybe getting a little bit uh too uh into character uh in that interaction upstairs, sure, uh, and making uh Schultz uh second guess his worldviews a little bit, uh, which was kind of kind of interesting, yeah, um. But then also, I this, at this point, I had checked to see how much movie was left over, and there was still, like, an hour and a half left. And I was just like, how is there an hour and a half left over at the movie when this is the guy and we just need to get to his farm to get the girl? Um, but it's I was... never that simple. I know, it's never that simple. But I was so hyped just because, like, just from a very dialogue perspective, it's been so fun just hearing anybody interact with anybody. Um, everyone just carries on conversation so well. Obviously, King is just immaculate and the way he does it, but um, even everybody else is just, it's so fun to hear them talk, and it makes me want to just sit in a room and hear, you know, them go about their business, but uh, yeah, just really, really good. Quentin Tarantino is the best writer of dialogue ever. I'm God, it's so positive. fun. It's so fun. I, I I don't know who who could even start to measure up on yep. that. Yeah. Um. So they're on the way, and uh, you know Django's getting a bit mouthy with all the, you know the, the slaves that are walking along, and uh, got to be in character. Really, yeah, he's got to be in character. He's being mean to him, and then uh, King stops the whole shebang. He's like, "I need to talk to my partner," and he goes over there, and I just, he's like, "Stop being so racist." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's basically telling him stop being racist. Uh, and I just, I love that. Uh, it was almost like. Um, like Django's in his element. It was like it was like you bring you know a black dude brings his white friend to the hood, you know, and they're in the hood, 
and you know Django's like hey bitch be cool you know <laughs> and uh and King's like you know his line is I for one don't intend on dying in Chickasaw County Mississippi USA <laughs> um, so yeah I, I felt that that dynamic was kind of there of like the you know hey be cool man it's like, like I don't know man I feel like we're gonna get shot or something you know <laughs> bitch be cool <laughs> bitch be cool you know tell that bitch to be cool oh yeah. I love that this is Pulp Fiction not Django All right or you know yeah other way you know what I'm saying uh yeah, and then King standing up for, uh, you know, the runaway Mandingo fighter. Mm-hmm. You know. What I like I'll it, reimburse you. Yeah. What I like is the uh, the guy who's there with the dogs who, like, there's no physical way that man is speaking English words. Nope. Like, dude mumbles worse than Charles. He yeah. just said that and he's like, It's like, bro, what? And, then, and, like, it doesn't even phase Candy. Apparently he talks yeah. to him enough because he's just like, Oh. How far off the property again? I don't know. Is that so? Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. The other side of that though is like, like, like he doesn't give a shit what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just my line is next, right? I should say something. I see. Okay. Well. Uh, did you know that Zoe Bell's in this movie? No. Was she the one with the the thing over her face? The bandana. Yeah. Yeah. She's one of those trackers. Okay. That kind of makes sense. Do you know how many times she appeared in this movie? This is spoiling box score a little bit, but um, no, because <laughs> I'm only thinking of like two or three instances where I would have seen her. I would count three times we saw her face. Okay, which to me kind of like takes away the the theory of you, even having someone in a movie. Yeah, you, know, you just made her your movie star in in Death Proof, and then the whole like. She's off to the side. It's just kind of funny. Like, why bother? I mean, I guess, like, everybody, that's the thing. You interview all these actors, and they're all like, I, I, I would be in any Tarantino. I'd be in. I don't know, give I'd a work shit. With Quentin. I'd I'll work show with up. Quentin again. Yeah. Uh, like, Tim Roth was a butler of, uh, of what's his face? Um, I think he was supposed to be J.C. Brings butler. And once upon a time in Hollywood, the scene got cut, and he's just like, ah, I was working with Quentin, whatever. Yeah, like you know, I I mean, I haven't seen any public complaints from him. You know what I mean? So it, it's just interesting how they're all just very like, oh yeah, I work with Quentin, and like Zoe Bell doesn't have a line of dialogue. Yeah, you see she just has some shifty eyes every three, now and then, three times, and then she's like looking in some camera thing, and yeah, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, Zoe Bell's in this. Yeah, well, <laughs> so hand in hand with that. um, is because now that's that's, that's kind of ringing a bell because I think I remember that her character was supposed to be somebody whose like face got deformed and was supposed to actually have a little bit of a plot point when it was like the two parter mm. of the movie, um, but yeah, the the notes didn't say that it was her, just that it was that character. Mm. But yeah, no, that would have been interesting. Maybe she was intended to have a little bit of a more significant role, but yeah, I might have to find a Django more bigger box set type yeah. thing. I like, need more fun facts. Well, like, I don't know. Like, delete, uh, deleted scenes can be a huge fucking letdown at yeah. times, but they can also sometimes be really cool. And I, I, I find it disappointing when they delete stuff and they just go like, oh, well, and they don't include it. Like, I, I got mad at Breaking Bad, like, 
with a couple things where it's like you thought that was a good deleted scene and then they would talk about something in a commentary about something they took out and i'm like how is that not in the fucking deleted scenes yeah you know i mean like put all the cool shit in you know that's all you spent the money the footage is just sitting there yeah just let me see it i bought the thing give me the thing you just give me the stuff yeah anyway yeah dog murder's brutal yeah yeah I, I liked how just ice fucking cold Django is you know throughout this he's just kind of like watching he doesn't look away or nothing and that it's king that's like struggling just yeah. to you know be there in any capacity um and it, it just kind of really set in uh how much like Django is in it for an actual thing and that king is basically just support at this point like we're only here because of Django like, yeah. you guys have your own brotherhood and everything, but, like, Django is here for his wife. You are here to help Django. Um, and it just it, it, it shifts this dynamic quite a bit, and I feel like this is uh, kind of the, the point of the movie where that really shifts to where it's like Django is the one orchestrating. Yes. And that uh, king is just uh, present. Yeah. But... Um, and really, really like that we see kind of like the uh, illusions or, you know, the, the Django's wife just kind of like in various scenes throughout this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it makes me think sometimes that like she was supposed to be like dead by the time we got there, that like she wasn't actually there kind of mm-hmm. thing. So it'd be like the, the journey for not yeah. um, just because of like how many times we see her, whether like she's like in like the, the river or whatever, or she's like walking through the fields. Yeah. You know, we saw so many of hers, and it's like, if if Django is seen then, is that supposed to be telling us, like, oh, she didn't make it? Um, and that's yeah. why we're seeing her, you know, kind of in these, like, fantasies rather than just the longing for her. Right. Um, but obviously, that's that's not what we got, so that's fine. Yeah. But made me think, at least. Yeah. Uh, Sam Jackson plays a slave-era Uncle Ruckus, probably his ancestor. Um <laughs> Laura Lee Candy Fitzwilly. Fitzwilly is a funny name for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, does Candy want to bang his sister? Yes. Uh, nobody heard Django's safety click on his gun. Love that King shuts the door on old Fitzwilly. Uh, I mean, I, there's just a couple ones I want to read off just because they're good. Uh <laughs> Stephen the Butler, brown nosing candy hardcore is fantastically annoying. It's a great job. Uh, no poker face whatsoever by either Hildy or Django at dinner. Yeah. I mean, can you try a little harder than I think she's got eyes for Django? Yeah. It's like maybe just don't can fucking you... look at each other. You know yeah. what? <laughs> like just avoid it at all yeah. costs. Well, also, if you look up with wide eyes as if you are guilty mm-hmm. and don't just keep pouring the fucking what? brandy. Little on me. Looking at Django. Hi, Django. <laughs> Seriously, like, just fucking look. Don't react, yeah. you know? Uh, Terrible actors. And then, obviously, Django has bad <laughs> poker face when they're, like, you know, tearing the back of her dress open and everything. It's like, yo, they're just, like, you know what goes on here. Like, you just got to just gotta play poker. Be the character. You get it's out. what It's what King harped on. It's like, you are playing a character. This is a role. Like, nothing is real outside of your character and how they feel and do things. Right. And Django loses that. And Hildy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that Leo cut his hand for real at that dinner scene just makes everything that much better. Yeah. 
Um, and then I am further than that. So, I mean, whatever you got yep. within that hole. So just running through kind of like once we get to uh, the, the big house, uh, Samuel L. Jackson being just the most unrecognizable as himself. Uh, I just thought the way they had like the hair and costume and everything. I, I until he opened his mouth and started speaking words, it didn't click in my head. Yeah. Um. To which to me says that they did a good job. Is you know as far as like costume and setting him up and everything there because I was like he looks really familiar. It's not clicking with me yet. And then he opens up his mouth and it's like oh my god, Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson. Yeah. Um. I thought that was really fun. Uh, uh, and then just him losing his goddamn mind over letting Django into the big house. I like that. Like, kind of just the relationship it implies in general is that like he like Stephen is like on good enough terms with uh, Calvin Candy to like, hey, like I'm allowed to have an opinion about the people you bring into this house, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I like that in general. The incest vibes were extremely, extremely strong right off the get-go, which made me uncomfortable. Very high, very high. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brumelda being in the hot box being punished, which sounds like the most difficult thing ever. You're just in a big steel box baking in the sun. You ever been in a sauna? No. Imagine that for 10 days. Well, and non-stop. not and not even just that, you know, like in a sauna, you're sitting down, you probably got your towel on you. It's fine. You can get up and move around and shit. And that you're in a steel box. So the steel is going to heat up yep. and then it's going to be basically burning your skin on where you're laying down. So it's not like you're ever going to rest or anything. Um, yeah, just fucking torturous. Um, so I guess they did a good job at, you know, the horrors of, of whatever this is, but yeah. Um, but at this point, I'm like, what's the move? We still got an hour left. How do we fuck this up? Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's always kind of my mindset is looking at it. It's like, how do we, like, we seem to be going very well. How are we going to ruin this? Just um, wait. And, I, and it, I, I, I figured it was going to be on Django's side. Like, and, and granted, you know, they do kind of the failures throughout the dinner as far as making it too obvious. Um, I even thought, um, you know, it's the scene where uh, King asked for her to come up. You know, they close the door and we see just like the foot um on the other side of the door so like someone listening in kind of thing it was Django who was the one listening in but you know until we had that pan up it started at their foot so i was like holy shit like what if like calvin knows some german and he's uh, like listening in on him and like that's the fuck up kind of thing or like yeah. if it was just one of like the other um you know workers there so i was like like you know that would have been you know kind of an interesting dynamic to hold on that and then wait until it wait until it kind of explodes later on. Yeah. Um, but it, it was kind of nice that she showed up or that Django like opens the door or whatever. And she just like pours out the water, faints, falls over yeah. and nobody came to check on them. Cause apparently just loud, obnoxious sex is acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, that was the expectation that, uh, uh, Calvin had when he's like, Oh, did you get to explore or whatever? Like he was being really yeah. graphic did and you gross get these clothes off her. Yeah. It was, it made me feel gross. So that's yeah. how I knew they did a good job. But, yeah. um, but yeah, so I expected kind of just that scene where I was like, maybe it was going to be, uh, you know, Calvin on the other side, knowing a little bit of German, maybe picked up on some of that conversation, fucking things up. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, just it, it 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 hurt a lot to when they brought her back out during dinner and like opened up her back to show like the scars and everything. Yeah. It's it's just a rough thing to watch. 
uh, for sure. So it, it made me feel bad <laughs> just just being there, knowing that that had to have been extremely difficult for her, for Django, the whole situation. It's yeah, I mean, it's, <sighs> it's just rough. that perfect representation of just like the dehumanization of of, of those people in that yeah. time, like, like they're like, cattle, like they're yeah. nothing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. Yeah, where where are you next? Uh, so yeah, the scene, uh, uh, Calvin smashes his hand, kind of carries on. They like it enough. And then he rubs the fake blood on, uh, Broomhilda's face. Um, it's all, all very gross and makes you feel weird. Um, so it was a good job. And then, uh, kind of once we went through some of those conversations, uh, like immediately afterwards where it's like a, well, I want 12,000 just for Broomhilda. Um, I was like, well, that's not really a resolution, is it? Like, it's not, it, it just didn't, I, you know, not really. yeah, but it, it just seemed kind of odd. You know, it's like, he was like, oh, the, or give you guys like the $12,000. We're going to take room Hilda and we're just going to, you know, kind of move on with it. You know, you lost the game, but you still get what you want. I was like, well, this isn't resolution. You know, this is just like accidentally winning or, you know, just getting away with it kind of thing. Yeah. I was like, it's not satisfying. So like how how do we fuck it up now? And again, that's just the thing I keep going back to is like, how do we mess it up now? Yeah. Um and then that's where we get to kind of that uh that ending scene where we have the paperwork and the signing away and everything goes to shit. I guess it's not the ending scene, but it's the uh Yeah, the so last drunk. my thing was um why can't we just do a thing where, again, with movies, it's a, it's a rule. Non-disclosure is a must. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see why you couldn't show up for this Mandingo thing and be like, hey, uh, just watch this Mandingo fight. It's a little gruesome. Now, this is not a complaint. I just want to be clear. I'm not complaining because this movie is fantastic and again like i guess I, I as a seeing it from like a real life perspective i'm just going like i i'm a very honest guy i would say most of the time and so like i feel like the easiest path for me to be is just going like hey i'm at a i'd like to get to b how might i go about that you know and to be like, hey, I watched this Mandingo fight. It was really crazy. I didn't like it too much. Mm-hmm. I do hear you have this slave that speaks German. And I don't know. I'd be willing to pay, say, $12,000 for, you know, whatever. I don't know. It yeah. seems like there was a, a an easier path, a more straight line yeah, between A to B. But so at least as far as the setup, right? So it's like before they got there. Uh, uh, Calvin was aware that they like were in the Mandingo business. You know what I mean? Like the prior communications that were sent out to the dude's lawyer, right? Like was and saying if that's what you got to do to make that first contact. Yeah, then fine. But you could have just as easily been, "Hey, I am German. I hear you have a slave that speaks German. I want one of those." You know, create the instance around that is what you're saying, right? Like, and you can still make that first point of contact and show up and just be like. Oh, this, you know, I thought I was into Mandingo, but that this isn't for me. But, you know, the other reason I wanted to see you, da-da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. you know, that's all. I get you. 
Yeah, it definitely could have been done a little bit differently, a little bit cleaner, but then we wouldn't have had as much. Yeah, there wouldn't have been a movie. So, again, it's not a complaint. I'm just thinking, like, in real the, life the situation. The realistic, yeah, we, we, we could have done this better. In a real-life scenario, if I was trying to obtain my buddy's, you know, my slave buddy's uh, form, wife that has been enslaved by a guy owning Candyland, you know, I think that's probably how I'd go about it. Okay, so he's into Mandingo. I'll go, and you know, the whole bit. Do the so. dance. Yeah. All right, so anyway. Um, I said everybody loses in a big dick off because it's just like one thing I didn't notice uh, that I read somewhere was, you know, I I feel stupid for not having noticed it and having read it. But, you know, they say the lawyer said, tells um, King like, hey, address him Monsieur Candy, mm. not Mr. He does, you know, he likes to be addressed as Monsieur. But he doesn't speak French. But he doesn't speak French. So don't speak French to him. Yeah. Um, so he goes. In that final scene there, like, you probably get away without doing the whole handshake business if you just say Monsieur Candy one more time. Because I didn't notice, but he says, well, Mr. Candy, you know, and then tries to take off. And, you, and you're and you kind of wondering why he's, like, kind of boiling over all of a sudden, you yeah. know. And, uh, you know, so having read that, I was like, oh, fuck. I'm an idiot. And so then there's I, that whole... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I didn't catch that at all either, so... Yeah. yeah. So he does that, and then... Um, but, you know, so I, I think the whole thing with eventually just giving in to, like, fuck this guy and, you know, using your sweet arm gun. Yeah. The coolest um, fucking thing. Shades of taxi driver. Yeah. Um, if you put any type of small gun in a rail system on your arm to just flick out and be able to shoot somebody... You were the coolest fucking person I ever met in a fictional setting, of yes. course. If you do that in real life, you should stop it and get help. Yeah. <laughs> Again, if you uh, if you have Bible scripture taped to you and you're cracking a whip or you're shooting people in real life, uh, stop. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> and uh, reevaluate what we're, what's going on here and try to, try to turn yourself in, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Depending how many... How many bodies are in your wake? How many bodies are enough that you should turn in? You know, one. Okay, <laughs> just got to make sure. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know. Any, I was listening to this podcast. They said if I killed twenty people, turn myself in. But I'm at, at nineteen. I think I can stop. Any <laughs> thoughts of thoughts of killing? Probably is when you should stop. Um, so basically, they're having a big dick contest, right? Just going like, well. Well, 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 and so everybody loses. Uh, and I, I, I get where King's coming from. He had just had to see this guy lose. You know, I mean, we, we know the classic character of like this guy always fucking wins. He's despicable. Everything he stands for is wrong. And, you know, King couldn't, you know, they show in the scene, you know, King couldn't stop thinking about the poor guy getting ripped apart by the dogs earlier. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so like, I, I get why he does it. Uh, but bottom line, it's mission accomplished if you call him Monsieur Candy. And then, you know, if you didn't get away with that, then you just, you know, if you did the Mr. thing, if you just shake his hand and get on out of there, like, you know. Yeah, that's it. Like, you're there, you know. And again, it's not a complaint because otherwise it's not a movie. Because, uh, again, what follows is sweet. Rail system, bang, uh, you know, 
Candy's I'm, dead all of a sudden, just like that. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. And then he's dead, and then you're like, what? And then fucking great shootout, just awesome kickoff moment for yeah. all of this. The uh, overindulgent yeah. action gore bloodshed kind of thing. I'd, I'd love to see it when it's just like nestled in between, you know, like these heavy dialogue plot sections to where it's just like a rather than having it, you know, sprinkled throughout that it's just like a and then everything fucking died. Yeah. You know, just a sea of red on screen. And and, and even just the the aftermath, you know, as he's kind of like walking out after the shootout. Um, and just blood smeared on all the walls. Because, again, every bullet was an explosion. Even when they come back from the funeral later. Yeah. It's still, there, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, who's going to go back and clean that? Like, I mean, that day. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, no, one of the things I did want to kind of say on uh, the, uh, uh, the line, like, right when King killed him. Um, apparently, like, when he got the uh, whatever award for best supporting character king okay uh whenever he got the award for that and he'd like said the line or whatever at the end of his speech was like sorry couldn't resist i think it might have been just long as shit or something but nice so it was nice that he kind of got to reuse that line a little bit there um but i really thought it was kind of going to go down a little bit differently because uh like when he was like oh like you know go to the stationery over there to like do the signature i thought we were just going to get like a pen stab to the neck or something you know something a little bit more personal yeah. as far as that killing him um but i will gladly trade that for the badass railgun cuz i still to this day think that is the coolest fucking thing in the world going all the way back to taxi driver definitely listen to our uh, our chat on that if uh if you want to but it's just the coolest thing so it, the way it resolved was really nice but i definitely thought that whole situation was going to go down very different oh yeah and then it turned into just the absolute like biggest bloodshed just everything going to hell Django having the most plot armor um and murking everybody um it was so exciting it was basically scarface <laughs> Scarface, but the the guy you're cheering for doesn't die, right? Uh, um, so it was so fun. Yeah, um, I think that like that moment where they kind of storm the house and there's, it's a very Tarantino like scene for everybody to just be rushing above, you know, just running up uh, up the stairs and surrounding. Yeah, uh, very much reminded me of Kill Bill. Yeah, of just like everybody. <laughs> You didn't think it'd be that easy, did you? Yeah, that whole bit. Um, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> also, I was, uh, in looking for the deleted scenes, I found other stuff where Tarantino's talking about they actually scaled back a good bit of the gore. He said, like, the Mandingo scene was much worse. Oof. Um, Which I already thought that was a lot, personally, but... He said he said the dog the dog scene was just, like, you know, really, really bad. Um, just a lot. So he said he, he said he basically, uh, doing it with the sample audiences, test audiences, whatever. Um, he was saying like, you know, I traumatized them and now they don't want to go on the rest of the ride, you know? Yeah. So he's like, I scaled it back a good bit. So, you know, it's still there, but you know, not the trauma part of it. Yeah. No, it's, it's a delicate balance. You know, you want to be visceral because granted everything in this era is like visceral. It's, it's difficult and it's yeah. rough to look at. Um, it's a terrible, it's an important, but it's a terrible part of like, you know, us history. Um, 
So like I I get that part of it, but yeah, just making it even more gruesome, even more tough to look at. And down to the last detail. Yeah. In the very first scene, you know, he takes his shackles off Django. His fucking ankles are all tore up because he's got fucking shackles on. Yeah. You know? He's been walking for 20, 30, 40 miles, whatever. Down to the last detail. It's, yeah. It's um, my last couple aren't <laughs> extensive, but basically... Uh, King was right. Keeping the first handbill with him was good luck. He won over the angry slave. He finally smiled. Uh, guy eaten by dogs avenged. Tell Miss Laura goodbye. The way she flew back made zero sense, but it was fucking funny. Shades of Godfather too. Um, and uh, that'd be my last note. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh, was really confused uh, coming into the scene where uh, Django was hanging upside down. I was like, is that his balls? Like, are those his <laughs> actual balls that are just hanging there? And it, yeah, it kind of seemed like that might have just been his actual balls just hanging there, which was odd to see um, after they had kind of shrug him up um, after he surrendered. Uh, we had. Uh, oh, there was. So I only read about deleted scenes about this, but apparently. So you kind of see Django hanging there and he's not like sweaty or anything mm-hmm. and apparently like that last scene right before you know steven's like bye or whatever like he's like sweating and shit like profusely yeah and apparently there was a cut scene where he like uh like embarrassed steven in the house because he was like saying like oh the head house slave is like you know because remember he says that in the meeting with yeah you know when, when they're talking about what they're going to do to rescue his wife when he's talking to king you know, it's like being the head house guy is, you know, the worst. And then, uh, you know, he's like, and then, you know, the a black slaver is even worse than that, you know. Uh, so apparently he's like said something to Stephen about being that guy okay. in the house, you know, and like embarrassed him and everything. And then as payback for that, I guess Stephen like burned off his nipples. Oh. And there was a cut scene of that. So I guess that's probably some of the violence that he got Jeez. too. Um but See, again, where you were like, going with that, I was like, did, did, like, Stephen didn't piss on this man, did he? Like, just the ultimate... It wasn't sweat, it was pee! Uh, no, but that's, I mean, that's, that's yeah, maybe just some of that violence they decided to cut out, too. But, yeah, that is that is that is graphic. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so a little bit further after that, a uh, speech that, like, Django uh, gets about, like, working at the mining company is kind of cool. Uh, just the way that it's framed about, like, the... It's like, you know, we, we, we kill people. But that's, you know, people we send to the mining company, they got it worse. They got it worse than that. Yeah. Um, so I, I love just kind of the framing of the, uh, like, killing you would be a waste. We want you to suffer. Uh, and, yeah, just very strong conversation kind of coming to them. And also love that, that dynamic of the way Steven's going, you know, white people never come up with a good idea in their life. You know, they're saying killing you. Most of it having to do with cutting, messing with your funny bu- funny yeah. parts. And, the, you know, he says the thing about, uh, you know, send them to the mining company. And then, you know, they throw out other stuff. And then finally, finally, Miss Fitzwillie's like, you know, maybe we should send them to the mining company. You know, just that classic, you know, underling making the, the, the actually smart suggestion. And, you know, the course the person in charge like taking it as their own idea yeah later you know classic white people <laughs> but yeah so that was really interesting um and then i liked uh you know kind of in that last chunk before we really get like the final ending there 
Um, we have uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino's kind of cameo in there. Yeah. Uh, where he's like one of the mining guys and Django's like trying to convince them. He's like, well, you know, there's this, this contracting thing. And he's kind of like giving them the same spiel almost that like King was giving him in the beginning Yeah. where it's like, Hey, well, see, he's worth this money dead or alive. And we can do this. And that money's just sitting there. And if we go in there now, we can just go ahead and get it. Um, and it's just kind of like that, that orchestrating kind of thing comes full circle where it's not like Django's kind of been that position yeah. to be the orchestrator. Um, I thought all of that like turned out really well. And then as finally, you know, as soon as they hand him the gun, he just murks them all, <laughs> grabs the dynamite, heads out. I love that Tarantino was exploded. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was kind of satisfying. I like that he's not against you know putting himself out there for. It's fantastic. Yeah, you know, uh, you know his, his dick melts sometimes. Sometimes he gets blown <laughs> up. You know. Sometimes you he, just lose. Hey, his dick only melts in movies that aren't his. Ah well. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that was really fun. Um, I liked the, you know, once everyone comes back in, I was like, blow the house up, blow the house up, blow the house up. And then Django does his speech and everything. He shoots the girl who, yeah, shoots off at this odd angle in comparison to where he actually shot her, you know, kneecaps, Steven and everything. Like, it's all very gruesome. And I'm like, blow the house up. What are you doing? Yeah. I was like, this is such a letdown. Um, and then I see, like, as he's leaving, he starts the fuse on it there. He's got candy cigarette holder. Yeah, it was, it was, it was such a good kind of end piece to it. And then just like the badass, like exit, you know, the house explodes and everything. And then even after all this, like Broomhilda's outside, she's on the horse already. Um, and then, uh, you know, Django gets on the horse and like, he's even like kind of showing off for her. Which to me is just so silly. It's like, bro, she's already married to you. Like, what? What are you trying to impress her for? It just seems so like, maybe not in character, but in somebody's character to be like, oh, I'm gonna flex for my wife so she thinks I'm hot shit kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was just kind of a really weird but kind of cute way to to kind of end that interaction. Yeah. Um, the only thing I didn't understand was kind of at the end, uh, where it's like, and they're gonna call him the fastest gun in the West. And then south. we, or in the south, yeah. And then it was just like this, like that was it, like that was the the end. And then we went to the ending sequence, and I was like, why does that matter in any kind of way? Yeah, it's like this this story isn't going on. We're not doing anything. What what does that line of dialogue add to us here? What are we doing? It was an interesting choice, yeah. yeah. But hey. I just work here. Yep. Man, damn good movie though. Yeah. Uh, box score. Um, I got a little lost in this especially when the explosion happens um so there was a youtube channel called joe blow originals and i they had a death count uh video of, for this so i excuse me according to them 74 so kudos to them thanks joe blow and uh times the n-word was said i counted God. i counted 99 uh another they thing couldn't I, have had that last one just to hit 100 well, see, another one that I read said like 114. What my personal count was 99. Okay. So I I am very open to missing 15. I mean, you could. They said it like the word hello. God, it was often. So, <laughs> uh, bad beer continuity one. Um, comically large dip spits three. Uh, broken bones three. Uh, Zoe Bell sightings three. Uh, I had a couple questions, but I think we addressed them, addressed most of them as we went on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, we we talked about it. It's fine. Oh, favorite scene was the other thing I was gonna say. What was your favorite scene? Favorite scene. Um, man, I I I really started off right with this. So kind of just the scene with talking to like the slaver guys, just the the verbal orchestration. You know, we we mark those guys, get the dude fall over. Um, really that intro scene I loved quite a bit. So that's the first one that's coming to mind for me right now. I think mine was uh, where I felt he was like peak of his powers uh, as far as King goes. You know, he just has just can complete control of the situation. The the first scene in that town. Okay. Of, you know, make sure you get the sheriff, not the marshal. Now nah, you can get the marshal and pouring the beer. And I, it was this nice, like, getting to know King. Uh, Django obviously starting to warm up to him because you know King's doing nice things for him, and uh, so that was yeah, that was probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Definitely not an accident that King is probably one of the most uh, dynamite characters, no pun intended, uh, out of this. Well, no pun taken because yeah. the Tarantino was the one that was dynamited. <laughs> but you know the the blowing up of like the wagon and everything, you put sure. the dynamite in the, the yeah, wagon, yeah, but still no pun taken. Yeah. But yeah, right. just just such a good character. Love this, love this for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I renounced ratings, man. Fuck a rating. May okay. We're gonna do a pod where we go through all the shit we've watched, and uh, we'll we'll have our rankings for those movies. Yeah, and we'll talk about it, and we'll put this one in there, and uh, yeah. Because we're like over 100 in now. So maybe it's a time good to, time to do that. Time and, to start getting a leaderboard going. And right? we'll, keep, we'll, keep a thing, we'll keep a thing going. Yeah. So uh, expect that soon after this, I think. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So thanks for listening um, or watching or whatever you're doing. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Content Crisis. Um, email us consequencehotlineyahoo.com if you are wanting to tell us we suck or uh, got suggestions or whatever and um, subscribe to us on uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts um, and uh, I have that awkward pause thing again because I forgot to refresh the screen so okay, that was pretty good so uh, thanks for listening or watching, goodbye <laughs>